So I was like, all right, this is great, but it's sort of boring. Um, let's do something about this. Why don't we like uh, manage our company from a Land Rover Defender and cross the South American continent while doing that? The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 2111, the 211, episode 211. In 2004, a Brazilian tried to sell a British aircraft carrier on eBay. Now that's capitalism. Freedom, freedom, freedom. It is a word that gets thrown around a lot nowadays, and it's going to mean different things to different people. But for me, one of the most important aspects of freedom when I'm traveling is not being tied down with a lot of possessions and being able to pick up and go really quickly. And what's really crucial in that equation is traveling with just a carry-on backpack. I hate having a lot of things with me when I travel. It bogs me down. It's heavy. It encumbers me. It's just not a good situation situation. I only travel with just a carry-on. That's the way that I like it. And that's the way that I think a lot of people are going to be able to experience freedom when they travel. So if you're looking for the best carry-on backpack, the one that I bring with me all over the world, you want to check out tortugabackpacks.com. And if you do go over there and you decide to pick up one of their three different types of backpacks, make sure to use the promo code EPOP. That's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is part two of my interview with Fabian Dietrich. And if you missed part one, before you listen to this podcast, you're going to want to go back and check out part one, because in part one, Fabian and I discuss what it's like to live an alarm clock free lifestyle, how no one ever comes back from Thailand and decides to stop traveling, why Fabian believes he was lucky to get malaria, and why basing his decisions off the question, would this make a good story, has always worked out for him. So it was an absolutely awesome episode, a really great way to start the interview. So you want to check that out, part one of my interview with Fabian Dietrich. You can get that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. Of course, you can get that on iTunes. You can get that on Stitcher. You can get that on Jabbercast or however you're listening to this podcast. But for now, let's hop right into part two of my interview with Fabian Dietrich. We're going to talk more about the startup diaries, the challenges of working on the road, how to become more efficient with your work, and asking the question of what you're going to do with your freedom once you become a digital nomad and why that is important. So here's part two of my interview with Fabian Dietrich. So that leads us then into this epic adventure that made me jealous every time I look at the website and watch the little videos you guys produce. And that is the Startup Diaries. So tell us how what the Startup Diaries were and then how they came about from you having your own company. 
there was a point when I had my company for about a year where I was sitting in the office in Berlin. Dominic, who was sitting next to me, who was also part of Startup Diaries, was, was already working with me. But I could see what was coming. I knew it was going great. I knew we were making a lot of money. I knew we could employ more people and you know rule the world, uh, the, the, the part of the business world that we were in. You know, I could foresee it. I knew what's going to happen. And this, if you relate it to the metaphor of that life is a movie, if you know what the, what, what's coming next, the movie is not so interesting anymore. No, you go to the cinema without already knowing what is happening. It's the movie is just not, you know, it's, it, you need surprises. At least I do. I need surprises. And, uh, I, 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 I don't want to be able to anticipate everything that's going to happen in my head before it's even happening. So I was like, all right, this is great, but it's sort of boring. Um, let's do something about this. It <laughs> can't be that easy. Why don't we like uh, manage our company from a Land Rover Defender and cross the South American continent while doing that? So the idea was like having a mobile business, a uh, mobile office, and then uh, driving through Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, uh, and running everything we do from within this rolling mobile office. Now, if, you, if you don't know the Land Rover Defender, it's a British, uh, it's a car produced in the UK and in, in Britain. Uh, it's, it looks like a cubicle on wheels. It's very robust. It has no electricity, so you can uh, easily fix it wherever you are. And we had a foldable roof so we could sleep in the uh, Land Rover with uh, two guys in the top and one guy uh, downstairs. And, and uh, that's what happened. Now, that was 50% of the project. The other 50% was finding people who would redefine work in South America. So that could be people who use tools and technologies to uh, invent to uh, 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 something that brings in money without working nine to five, without having bus bosses, without being involved in a structure of hierarchy, and with the freedom of, you know, coming on a skateboard to work if they wanted to. So these kind of people, it could be the psychologist uh, who we met in Montevideo who, you know, does psychotherapy over Skype. Um, it could be, uh, you know, we, we met a girl in Lima, Valeria. She uh, decided not to go to school anymore when she was 14 and then learned coding, photography and web design at home. And since she was 14 managed to uh, have clients all around the world and did that for the last 10 years and was able to sustain herself uh, like this. Uh, these kind of people were tracking down, interviewing them, also incubators like Startup Chile and, and Vaira and all these uh, Startup Peru, all these programs that you have in South America that want to um, uh, make the life for entrepreneurs easier. Uh, this is the people we wanted to track down and interview and we would then convert all this into uh, episodes. We're now at episode number eight and there's still two to come. Uh, and these episodes show in form of video our adventures of being a nomad company, you know, of being stuck in the sand but only having two hours left to make it to an important call and with a customer in Las Vegas and then getting out of the sand and ending up in a cyber coffee where chicken running around on the ground and we having a call with people wearing suit and tie in a skyscraper in Las Vegas. These kind of stories now we're, we're in the episodes. And that's, yeah, that's what we did. We drove, uh, I think, about 13,000 miles from Uruguay to Colombia and then shipped the car from Colombia back to Germany. So you still have the car? Yeah, we shipped it back and now actually I was in it. I lived in it for two months. The last uh, two months I drove down from Berlin to Morocco. And then my parents, they never went out of uh, Germany, Austria, Norway. 
they didn't take any flights, I think, maybe one flight in, in the, whole, the whole life. So I drove down to Marrakech, my parents flew to Marrakech, and then in the car, we went back to Spain, which was amazing. I loved showing this kind of adventurous traveling to my parents, like actually living in this Jeep. And uh, now I parked it in Spain near the airport, and I, uh, then I flew to Senegal in Africa. I had a consultancy gig in Dakar, and from Dakar, I came flying here to Sao Paulo, and now I'm, I'm in Rio and I will be going back to the car in March and start living in the car again. I love living in that thing. It's amazing. <laughs> that, is, that is a fantastic story. Now, how long was the, was the trip that you guys took across South America? I think eight months. Okay. And my biggest... I have a few... Well, I have a lot of questions about this because it's, it just sounds so epic and it is so different than what people would say. You know, normally people would say all right, we started this company. It's going well. How can we scale it? How can we grow it? How can we make it big, 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 big so that then we don't have to be involved and we can go traveling? And you're like, well, listen, I love the work. I don't want to, you know, I don't need to not do the work. Let me do the work, but let me do it in a, in a fun and interesting way. What was the feedback from people that you were working with? So for like clients or customers that you have, did most of them know that you were doing it? Or did most of them have no idea that you were calling from a cyber cafe that had chickens running around? <laughs> no, I would always work until uh, I would always wait until the customer is happy and the project is over. And then, if we were at particularly interesting places, like in the desert, stuck in the sand doing a data migration for them, I would tell them the next day, "Look, this is where we did all this." And then they were like, "Then they were okay with it, no? Because the project was over." If they were really cool companies, you know, young, innovative company and cool people and, and i would feel this on the phone i would tell them like we're actually here in the desert in peru and doing this job and they would okay, they would be okay with it but usually they would not say it before only afterwards yeah well and i can and i can understand why and that's pretty i i assume that most of the feedback you got from people was if the job got done i mean you're telling people after the job if they were happy with it they didn't care and if they if they were a cool company and they're like, all right, get the job done. And if you do a good job, we don't care if you're doing it from Peru or whether you're doing it for Berlin or Las Vegas or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what is it? The interface to the client is your website, email, Skype. If you do Skype, you usually don't do it with video. So it's only voice. You know, even with my prepaid 3G SIM card in Morocco, nearly everywhere, I could do Skype calls with a $3 SIM card. I was in a moving bus from Santiago de Chile to Valparaiso and I forgot that I had a call. But I got a reminder from Google Calendar sent via SMS and like, oh, I have a call. So I had no internet, but I had my 3G 2 or $3 SIM card with like uh, one gigabyte of data volume loaded on it for like $5. And I was able to make the call in the bus and there was no serious interruptions in South America in a moving object. So that worked. So if that works, there's absolutely no impact if your work or what you're doing is mainly you know based on on tech on on you know developing apps designs you know whatever everything we do is is totally doable remotely so the client doesn't even get know it they 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 don't need to know they they don't know and if you tell them afterwards when the job is done that's all that they want so it doesn't matter right right now <laughs> it's what amazing was, times <laughs> it it is amazing times and i've i've even taken it you know, a step further because a lot of people will say, "All right, well, yeah, Fabian, like you work in um, 
in the tech industry, obviously, it's a lot easier for you to be location independent and remote because you work in the tech industry. What if I work in this industry, that industry, you know? And and one of our biggest things now at Location Indie is taking people who who have careers or who have skills, right? And and they might not be a web designer, they might not be um, someone who thinks it's easy to be location independent, right? But what I found is that most people are able to do 80% of what they would do anyway and and be location independent. You know, even people who are property managers and and then they, you know, they don't have to go in the office but they hire a manager to do all the day-to-day stuff and they come back to their properties, you know, once a month or once every two months. So I think there's a lot of ways that people can do it if they start thinking outside of the box a little bit. Yes, I think the same. It's not all connected only to tech. I mean, I met as I said, a psychologist doing psychotherapy or Skype, you know, even guitar teachers have students and teach them remotely. Uh, English teachers, whatever language teachers uh, can do this. There's a lot of potential for a lot of jobs. And I'm, I'm saying it's amazing times because I went to Chile since I lived there in 2004. I went there four or five times. Every time I came there, I bought a prepaid SIM card. Every time the internet was majorly improved. I was there every two years, every three years. It was always better. It's only a couple of a, a couple of years where anywhere on the planet we can walk around or drive around and use our five dollar SIM card to do everything that we would usually do with our internet at home. If it's at the beach or in the forest or in the desert or anywhere, it's just a couple of years and, and it's it's great. It's amazing. It already works, but in a couple of years it's going to be so much easier. It really is amazing. And that trip that you guys took, um, we'll link everything in the show notes, guys, but you should definitely check out some of the webisodes because you look or you find some really interesting people who are doing stuff that, as you mentioned, might not seem totally location independent, might not seem like, oh, yeah, he's a guitar teacher. Here's a psychologist or something like that. How can I do that? I have people coming to me into my shop, into my office, whatever. Well, the answer is if you're teaching anyone a skill or teaching anything, you just transition to doing that online and boom, there you are, you're location independent. What were some of the biggest challenges for you doing it? Because obviously it worked and you did eight months and you were on the road, but what were some things that, that creeped up that maybe you didn't expect or what were some of the challenges that you thought you'd have that you were like, wait a second, this, this is actually easier than I thought? Before starting, my biggest fear was definitely the, the, the issue of connectivity. Oh, I, I haven't been in South America for a couple of years uh, and then I, I didn't know how well the internet would work and uh, we were in Argentina first and Argentina has one of the worst internet down there but then being in Montevideo and Uruguay and in Chile and in Peru and everywhere basically the internet was quite good like the Wi-Fi was always good enough to do Skype calls so Skype calls for us is the highest bandwidth that we need in terms of the work we do um, but then when realizing that that's not going to be an issue that the problem was solved and then it was work overload, you know, because in Berlin, we, uh, I worked at least eight, you know, 10 hours a day uh, doing what I did. And now we, I was in South America. I still had to handle the same amount of work. But on the side, I had to do interviews, find people, travel 13,000 miles, you know, deal with car problems and mechanics and being stuck in the sand or whatever. And video editing and, and storytelling and the creative work of putting these episodes together. So it's, it was an absolutely overload of work and stressful in the beginning. But to be able to solve, do all this work 
I just learned to, to work way more efficient than before. So I guess what I did in before in eight hours, I did now in two. You know, and it's it's this general theme that comes up like in the four-hour work week of Tim Ferriss where it's like, yeah, people sit in the office until five. It doesn't matter if they have a task which takes two hours or six, they sit in the office until five. So you stretch the task until it's five because then you can go home. But if you work super disciplined and absolutely focused, you could probably do it in two hours, but you don't have any motivation to do it in two hours because you have to sit there until five, which makes no sense. So I think I did that too, even I was in Berlin because I was like, oh, it's one, I'm kind of done. But you know, all the normal people, they leave work at five. My friends are all working, so I better sit here and do nothing or invent some work. No? So there, because of all this pressure that we had and knowing that there's this amazing world out there too where, where there are things to discover, I just worked way more efficiently. I was more focused. You know, I didn't go on Facebook anymore. And uh, usually that's a sign of being happy for me. Like the less I go on Facebook, that means the better of a time I probably have at the moment. Uh, I also installed this freedom and antisocial app. I have it running right now. So I couldn't go on Facebook even though I wanted to. I had this command T shortcut so in my brain, like command T and then F. It's like a new tab in your browser and then F for Facebook and hitting enter. It was already a reflex. I was like a machine sometimes. Look, just distracting myself with nonsense like this no <laughs> so i just blocked the page and that helped a lot so that saved a couple of uh, of time a bunch of time but then also the use of the right tools saved an immense time so just a couple of days ago i got an email from calendly that was saying congratulations you scheduled already 250 calls with calendly so the the the, the, the thing is we do a lot of calls with customers usually when you do a call it's like hi fabian i need a call then I'm like, are you PST, EST, GMT minus two? Where are you? And then he's like, PST. Okay. So I can have a call at one, three, four, fifty, all these calculations, all this time calculations in your head. It's a lot of headache. It's probably four or five emails until you have a call set up. And then you have to create an event in Google Calendar and put in the email of the customer. If you do that a couple of times per day, it's, it gets really boring. It's like, no way. Why, why would anyone do that? So what you can do now with tools like Calendly is you get a link. You send this link to your customer. The customer sees your calendar with only the times available that, that you are available. And then the customer decides what time he or she wants, puts in the Skype name or landline number, clicks and submit. Automatically, the thing is blocked in your calendar. He receives an invitation for Google Calendar. The whole time zone calculation thing is done by the tool and it's absolutely amazing. It, it's basically outsourcing the work to the customer because you just send a link and then the customer does all the, oh, when, when I'm available, la, la, la. It's great. But they, they won't complain because also they saved two or three emails and then just invest 30 seconds to schedule a date, right? So it's in your calendar. So what we would do is when we knew we would drive from Santiago de Chile to Lima, which would probably be five days going through the desert and bad internet connection, we would just block these giant eight-hour blocks in our calendar for those days. And then uh, on the fourth day, it would be a free day. So all the customers were forced to put the calls on this fourth day. And we knew on that day, we we're going to be in a place where we have good internet. That was a great example of how we used, how we saved a lot of time by using the right tools. Other tools would be Alfred up for shortcuts, which can help you so much depending on what you do. But basically, for everyone who uses a computer more than two hours a day, uh, should look into the option of using 
things like quick launches and uh, things like Alfred up on the Mac, for example, where you can uh, set up certain shortcuts which then open up certain programs uh, in a certain way that, you know, let's say you're recording a podcast episode. You probably have some show notes. You have some uh, Google uh, spreadsheet or whatever. Uh, you probably also have some thing open like Skype and some recording software. So there's a bunch of things that you need to have open. So you can set up a shortcut. You call it podcast. You do command space like the spotlight search or quick server search. You put in podcast mode and then automatically all these programs open and you can arrange them at certain positions in this, on the screen. And that's in the, uh, all and in you're one, ready to right? go. I didn't even know that existed. So it just it just sets your computer up to like, all right, I'm in podcast mode now. Right, exactly. Wow. It's, yeah, different modes. No? Uh, you know, just having, like I have, uh, we had like eight different phone numbers. So, you know, there's a couple of places in the internet where you have to put in your phone number when you sign up for something or when you change your Google Calendar notification messages to your new phone number. So what I would do is I would get the new phone number and then I immediately would put in a shortcut called phone.ecuador, phone.chile, phone.landline Berlin. So whenever I had to put in this phone number, I just took this shortcut and then automatically my phone number would be there. It saves a lot of time. You know, a step below that is you have it somewhere in Evernote. You go to Evernote, you find the note, you do copy and paste, you paste it somewhere there. But you still save so much clicks and marking if you have this in, in your shortcuts. And it's one time that you invest a little bit more of work, but then you save from then on into the future. Yeah. So that was another thing we saved a lot of time with. Yeah, it's crazy how, and, and I do this myself, how adverse I am to actually doing something like setting up a system or setting up something that then will save me time because I'm like, well, I could just do it. But you know, you could just do it and then you do it every day and it takes a long time. Whereas you set it up once, like you said, like with Calendly or, or anything. I mean, this is actually the first one of the first Skype interviews where I totally just went through my Schedule One's calendar, me and you didn't send any emails back and forth really after you booked it. And I actually was wondering, I'm like, this is like a good test. Am I going to wake up in the morning and are we going to be able to connect on Skype? And without actually going back and forth, like, are you sure this is a good time? Yes, it's a good time. Okay, cool. See you then. All right, great. You know, and then boom, here it was. And, and it worked kind of, although the time zone thing was a little thrown off. But Usually that doesn't happen. That's, that's my fault because I was just stupid. Yeah, yeah but it, it's, it's crazy, right? So yeah. I, it's funny to hear you talk about it and say, yeah, I've actually implemented that too. And I think that not only you have the tools, but then you also have the mindset of saying, all right, I don't have eight hours to finish this. I only have two because you know what I want to do today? I want to get out and see the area I'm traveling through. And so I think you also then, maybe you're not such a perfectionist. I think that's a big part of it too, is, be, is not being a perfectionist and saying, I just have to get it done. I know it's going to be good and, and it's going to get out there. Yes. We as humans, when we focus on a task... And then we jump to another task. We need a lot of time to get back into the previous task. Now, what many people do is they work on something and then it goes like, bling, new email. And you immediately do like command tab to switch to the email software and you look at the email. And it's very hard not to do that. But it means that when you readjust to the primary task, you need a lot of time. So, you know, being offline, this distraction weren't coming in. So what I do now, I just close down my email program and I work on this one task. So I don't have to switch to other things. And it doesn't matter if you not respond directly. You can also wait for hours. It won't change the world. It won't be the end of 
the business. Right. And it's easy for anyone in any business to do. I mean, uh, the simple thing of taking your phone, I, I, I always do this. I take my phone, I put it in the other room. And so, and then I forget, right? I totally forget because I start working and three hours later, I realize I haven't checked my phone or anything, which is, you know, is no one needs to get a hold of me, right? And then I go in the other room and I see there's like six or seven text messages. None of them important, but what I would have done if they were sitting in my desk is I would have saw it come up, I would have thought about it. And it's absolutely amazing. So it's like all these little things that you can do to force yourself to be productive even if even if you're not going to be traveling through the desert, it's like take some of what Fabian says and and like make that your lifestyle. You know, stay out of your email inbox, take time offline. The times when I shut down my actual internet, and if if I have to do writing or any type of thinking or, or big picture stuff, you know, if I shut down the internet and I I can't actually sign on, all of a sudden I can get really clear on what I want to do because I don't have any other distractions. I literally can't sign on the internet because I unplugged it. It's as simple as that. What I want to do, Fabian, is is you've had a lot of traveling experiences. And, and we've talked about work and working remotely and things like that. I want to tie it all up by asking you, and, and I love asking this question to people, and, and all the, the listeners know it's probably the last question that's coming. And I want you to think about your biggest travel mishap. So this doesn't have to be something that ends like in a in an awful thing. It can be something like I can't believe that I was traveling and this happened to me or I did this or I caused this to happen. And in the end, like we said, it becomes a funny story and it's something that you tell when you're at work or you're at the bar or you're having lunch with someone. But do you have a travel mishap that came up that that sticks in your head as like this was the thing or one of the stories that I'll always tell, something that happened to me when I was traveling that in hindsight ends up being a good story. But when it's happening, maybe it didn't seem so great. Yeah, it was a malaria story. Yeah. That's a me that's exactly the story, but we already talked about it. <laughs> so <laughs> but that's the story, man. Yeah. There's no other. <laughs> the fact that you got malaria, it could have I mean, that's what I loved about your bio was that you said I was lucky to get malaria because I've never heard any human say that before, and maybe no one has. Um, but that malaria led you then to, to yeah, being very clear and about just putting your name and phone number in and saying, whatever happens, happens with this job. Yes, yes. That's, that's, that's the story. But if you don't mind, I would, I, would, I would talk about something else, which I think is very important. Sure. <laughs> because, you know, many people might listen to this and then they might think this is paradise right this is amazing and I go a lot to these conferences of people who want to be location independent or digital nomads and usually 90% of the people I meet there they they want to be doing what I'm doing because they're not there yet Uh, I'm there already and I recently heard a podcast from Sam Harris and he started it by saying tuning in, turning out, on and dropping out is only good if you can leave a li- lead a lifestyle which do not leave your children wandering in traffic. And I'm, I'm quoting this because he was referring to the hippies. You, know? you had the Tim Leary in the 60s saying, turn on, tune in and drop out, you know, drop out from society and then you know, peace, peace and love. So I, th- I, see a, I see a correlation here with the hippie movement and the digital nomad movement because both of these communities were very clear about what they didn't want. The hippies didn't want violence in Vietnam and post-war normalism and uh, capitalism and all that. It was a very clear idea. 
and the digital nomads, they don't want 9 to 5 and bosses in hierarchy. But I think both communities, they didn't or don't have a sense of what will happen then. When you have the freedom and you have the time, what will you replace this freedom with? And it's easy to just travel and work for a year or two. It will give you a lot of amazing things to learn from. But if you want to make this a sustainable lifestyle, I think it's very important to think about what do you want to replace this freedom with? How can you not only travel around and focus on pleasure and hedonism, but how can you make this a more meaningful thing where you maybe you work on something which is bigger than yourself, where you maybe become a meaningful nomad who does something beneficial for other people while he's traveling. And I'm saying this because there's also a lot of sacrifices. And then recently I traveled to Dakar and I hang out a lot of, with, with the expats and many of the expats were like people working for United Nations, very elite, super focused people who we had a very strong sense of purpose. I met a girl who was a human rights lawyer. When she was four in kindergarten, she already had a stand, which was called the anti-mobbing stand. When everybody, someone was bullied, they came up to her and then she would go there and make the situation all right, right. She was the diplomat between the kids who were fighting with four years. When she was seven, her aunt said, Sophia, I'm changing the name. Sophia, you're talking a lot. You should be a lawyer. And she said, if I become a lawyer, I will be a lawyer who uh, works for African people who have uh, less uh, rights. And now she became a human rights lawyer, works for United Nations, and she's working with people persecuted or being in prison like gays, lesbians, bisexuals, transsexuals who are being killed in places like Senegal. And she works 80, 90, 100 hours per week too. But she doesn't mind. And she thinks she has enough freedom because she can't quit her job and get another one. But she has this amazing experience of making lives much better for certain people or even saving them from death penalties. Now, the thing is, to get a job like this, maybe what the career counselor suggested is not such a bad idea because you can travel around as much as you want on the world and uh, do all sorts of crazy stuff, but it's not that easy to get accepted by United Nations, who then lets you work on these kind of issues because you're not a human rights lawyer. And uh, so the sacrifice of being a location-independent person for many, many years is that, first of all, you won't get these kind of jobs. You only get those if you're very determined and you know what you want and you work towards it. And the other thing is, like, if you go back in history and you look at the people who made a big contribution to the world or invented something amazing or, you know, they usually had mentors too, you know, faces of your life where you're like two, three years working with someone who teaches you something. You don't get this if you're just traveling and hopping from country to country. So I think it's just important to be aware that it's not the end, like being location independent, even if you have an automated money income, you will not just be happy for the rest of your life because you need to, what you're going to do, maybe spend half a year in a hammock in Bali. And that something is better, something that is bigger than yourself and uh, creates meaning and flow and purpose for you. The other thing is you're sacrificing a lot of things like the mentor and, and working for an organization which opens doors for you, like the United Nations. It makes things happen. Right? It, you can't do that on your own. So that's, that's, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that's a, a great point because we've talked a lot about location independence here. And, you know, but it isn't the end goal. You know, I mean, it, it, 
you want to build your life. If, if that's something you're after, you want to build your life so that you can have that. But the end goal is then doing something with that that either makes you a better person, a better father, better husband, whatever, or makes the people around you better. And hopefully both. You know, Hopefully it makes you a better person because you're then having time and freedom to do things that you love that are then going to also then change the, the people's worlds around you. And, and it doesn't always have to be this huge, huge, huge goal, but it can be, hey, I'm going to spend some of my extra time then helping other people achieve this. You know, it, it but it you're right. It has to be replaced. If if you're trying to get location independence, the goal should be then replacing like using the freedom you have to then do something better that you probably couldn't have done if you were at a regular job, as opposed to saying, I just want to be location independence because I want to lay on a beach in Thailand. Listen, all of us want to lay on a beach in Thailand, and that is one of the perks. But that shouldn't be why you're doing it. It should be for for other reasons. I think you you put that really well, Fabian. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show, for kind of sharing your story and, and talking about everything we touched on, and that it's not always someone who needs to leave something and it's an awful life and I broke away and got away and I did this, but that you did it because you just saw that there was something you enjoyed more. And every time then, I love this way that you said it, you had a flexible brain and that you were writing your own story, that you were choosing the path that wrote a story that was more unique and different as opposed to saying, yeah, I'm going to take a year and a half and plan this trip to Africa because you never would have done it. You know, all, both of us know if you took that, you never would have done it. So I really appreciate it. Remind people how they can come and find you because you got a new website up now and then you also have the Startup Diaries one. So where should people go to find out more information about you and about the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, so if you want to check out the episodes that we filmed while doing Startup Diaries, startupdiaries.org. There's more on our Facebook page, which has the same name. So you can go on Facebook and search for startupdiaries.org. That project is over. I'm now building my personal brand, and that's my own website, fabianditrich.com. And I'm sure you can link it up in the, in the show notes because it's a bit complicated to remember. But it's fabianditrich.com. Yes, we will link up everything in the show notes, guys. You can get them by going to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. That will be the show notes for this episode as well as the other 200 plus episodes that we've had. You can find everything there um, and and check that out. I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Tortuga Backpacks. If you look, guys are looking for a backpack, tortugabackpacks.com. And don't forget, we've got this cool technology. I don't know how it works, Fabian. It's like, this is one of those things where we talk about tech and I'm not very techy, but... If you guys want to hop on our email list and get our completely free um, four video series on how to get the cheapest airfare, all you have to do is text the word PEANUTS, P-E-A-N-U-T-S, to 33444. That will put you on our email list. You can check that out. Again, no idea how it works, but it works. There's someone much smarter than me figured that out. If you have internet anywhere, uh, text PEANUTS to 33444. Thank you, Fabian, once again for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today and for all the continued support. Thanks for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And Fabian, at some point, we have to uh, actually cross paths in person because you're all over the place. I'll be all over the place. We can even do a co-working session together, right? <laughs> yeah, man. If you're coming to Berlin in the summer months, feel free to crash on my couch. I appreciate one of my favorite cities in the world, and I've only been there during the summer, so that's maybe why I'm saying that. Um, so until next time, everyone... Thank you, take care, and of course, happy free travels.